from one of my earlier podcasts, O Soul, You Have Had Enough Sleep. Mystics portray the typical materialistic society as being a place of sleeping souls, unaware of their true identity as soul, and often are even misled by religious voices that speak about a million topics. But unfortunately, how to see and hear spiritually is usually not one of them. This is from the late Dr. Jagasar Das of the Kabir Association. Spiritual enlightenment comes only when the mind is set free from the various prevailing dogmas and doctrines and is allowed to inquire within where the seat of all wisdom resides. And this is from Russell Perkins from his wonderful book published by Sant Bonnie Ashram, The Stranger of Galilee, The Sermon on the Mount and the Universal Spiritual Tradition. The work which the masters of esoteric knowledge do has been described variously, but it comes down to this, to show those human beings who want it their own real nature and position in the universe. My name is James Bean. Welcome to Spiritual Awakening Radio. This program is also known as the Sant-Mont Satsang Podcast. My website is spiritualawakeningradio.com. This program came into existence before the internet was a thing. Predates the web, actually many years ago. Once upon a time, making use of satellite radio and have been on international shortwave broadcast stations based in the U.S., as well as Costa Rica, primarily Costa Rica, actually, have been and remain on some public and community radio stations, mostly on the FM band. Spiritual Awakening Radio is also on all of the podcast platforms, apps, and venues. The great Sufi poet... Hakim Sanai once said, The one disciple who meditates the mysteries of creation for 60 minutes gains more merit than from 60 years of fasting and prayer. That's a passage from an anthology of Persian Sufi poetry, The Drunken Universe. Notice here he doesn't say, Meditation upon the mysteries of creation, the mysteries of creation, which might imply mental speculation. Meditating the mysteries of creation may be language for interacting with the subtle planes of creation. Swamiji Maharaj says, from one step to another, the soul beholds strange things which cannot be described in human language every region and everything is utterly beyond words 
What beauty and glory! How can I describe them? There is nothing here to convey the idea. I am helpless. Love plays the supreme part. It is all love. So says Radhaswami. Swamiji Maharaj from the Sarbachan Radhaswami poetry. Such a wondrous sphere has been created by Radhaswami, and there he keeps his closest devotees, or Nij Bhaktas, in rest and repose. That's also from Swamiji Maharaj, the Sarbachan Radhaswami poetry. By the grace and mercy of Radhaswami, the Lord of the soul, I received admittance into the highest region, which is the end of all. Radhaswami relieved me of all anxiety and worry. That's a passage from Prim Bani Radhaswami, Volume 1, by Hazur Maharaj Rai Salagram Bahadur. A listener from Norcross, Georgia, contacted me recently asking, Do the Sufis teach about the sound current? Is inner sound, the yoga of the audible life stream, part of their meditation practice? Thank you for that question. It all depends on who you ask, of course and during what century you might be asking that question. It's a fantastic question, actually, and one that leads to other questions, opens up many related topics as well, enough for a whole podcast as we explore. Sufism, Sant Mat and the Sound Current, today on Spiritual Awakening Radio. Sufism, Sant Mat, and the Sound Current. Certainly Rumi, the great king of the Sufi poets, was very aware of the sound current as a central meditation practice. He said, Rise above your mental horizon, O soul, and listen to the call of the music coming from above. Bring the sky beneath your feet and listen to the celestial music everywhere, says Rumi. I once had an opportunity to ask Sheikh Kabir Helminski of the Mevlevi Sufi order a question exploring this very topic about sound, inner sound, the sound current and Sufism. The Mevlevis were founded by Rumi's son back in the year 1273. And so, being very curious about what the Mevlevis are up to these days, I once asked Sheikh Kabir Helminski of the Mevlevi order if they make use of inner sound meditation. I was anticipating his answer to be yes and hear about some other exotic spiritual path and its own long and unique approach to the music of the spheres, the holy stream of sound. But to my surprise, he said, no, there is no inner sound practice that they follow. But then he went on to mention to me that there's this path in India known for 
this has a reputation about focusing on inner sound. A path called Radhaswami. <laughs> I thanked him for his reply to my question. And that was that. Full circle we come back to the path of the masters. So what's going on here? Rumi mentions the sound, and he is one of many Sufi mystics characterized as being true saints of the ages. The following is from Sarbachan Prose, Book 1, a summary of the teachings of Swamiji Maharaj, made by his disciple, Huzur Maharaj. The names of some of the perfect and true saints, sads, and fakirs who manifested themselves during the past 700 years are Kabir, Tulsi Sahib, Jagjuan Sahib, Garab Das, Paltu Sahib, Guru Nanak, Dadu Sahib, Tulsi Das, Nabhaji, Swami Hari Das, Sir Das, and Rai Das, which means Ravi Das. And some of the Muslim names are Shams Tabriz, Rumi Hafiz, Sarmad, and Sinai. A perusal of their writings would give you an idea of their spiritual attainments. Sarbachan Prose, Book 1. We have a list of the great Sufi saints, their writings, and many of them do speak of the sound. Shams of Tabriz, Rumi, Hakim Sinai, Hafiz, or Hafez, Rabia of Basra, Bulla Shah, Sarmad, Hazrat Sultan Bahu, Fakiruddin Iraqi, Baba Farid, Dara Shaiko, and Hazrat Anayat Khan, to name but a few. If Rumi taught the sound meditation, then why would this now be a lost teaching? What's going on here with the lost sound current teaching? The return of the lost chord. Rumi mentions the sound, and he is one of many Sufi mystics described as being true saints. In the Sarbachan of Swamiji Maharaj, the one saint that has the distinction of being quoted, being cited by him, was Rumi. There are countless Sufi orders spread out across the globe, hundreds of them. Many different Sufi orders. Are their teachings all identical? Why no, they're not. I'm sure there could still be a rare Sufi order or two that does maybe have some form of inner sound meditation practice that does seem likely to be true somewhere out there, but it's unlikely to be a universal practice understood by most. Rather, most likely, it's a rare practice indeed. Rumi was a vegetarian. So does this mean that all those interested in following the teachings of Rumi are aware of Rumi's vegetarian ethics and are vegetarians too? Why no, they're not. Spiritual movements change over time. Mystical paths are very fragile in this world of illusion, this sea of samsara, the world of changes we find ourselves residing in. Mystic paths only have living masters for a few generations at most. There is no permanent university of mysticism in the world. 
With mystical movements, they eventually reach a stage of the last master of their lineage dying off and leaving no successor. And so those disciples of that last master become elderly and soon disappear from the scene. And that's the end of the line, quite literally, of that particular branch of a mystic path. In other cases, there is more of a process of institutionalization, or what could be viewed as zombification, which is a more fun and entertaining word, suggesting something that's dead still is acting as if it's alive. One may find changes in the teachings and practices happening gradually, slowly taking effect a de-emphasizing of spiritual practice, a de-emphasizing of the contemplative life and meditation, the introduction of a fleshly diet, ignoring perhaps even editing out of their writings what had been instructions about adhering to a vegetarian diet. For instance, most today would assume that Rumi would have followed the traditional halal diet of Islam. And yet we read, and this was much to my delight to discover this, at the age of 12, Rumi, born in a Muslim meat-eating world, wrote this quatrain and became a vegetarian for life till the day he died. Says Rumi, I have existence and I value it so much. So have all the beings on earth. So have all the beings on earth and they too try to preserve it, then how can I kill even the tiniest creature just to satiate my palate? Rumi was a staunch vegetarian and shunned even milk and milk products. Vegan is a more accurate description for Rumi's diet here. Said Rumi to me, even milk is forbidden. Rumi writes that what we eat directly influences our thinking. If we consume an animal, its blood and gore will make us act like a slaughterer. This section on Rumi's vegan verses is found in the book Selected Poems, published by Penguin UK. I've also uncovered verses of Rabia of Basra and some other Sufis, showing that they were vegetarian as well. As mystic paths get replaced by more mainstream-type institutions, the inner life is replaced by ritual activities. Writings that may reflect the original teachings gradually go out of print, replaced with texts having a different, more material, outward focus. We can see the same patterns are playing out east and west. Mystic paths are short-lived in this world. Either that or they get taken over and repurposed by others. There is no living school of Pythagoras still at it after all these millennia, hosting gatherings in Greece, Crete, Cyprus, or somewhere around the Mediterranean. There is no school of Valentinus holding classes on Gnostic Christianity and Platonism in the city of Alexandria, Egypt, in the world of today. It is said that Jesus and his brother James the Just were raised vegetarians from birth, 
and that the original circle of disciples and followers, what we call the Jesus movement, referred to something called the yoke of the Lord. It's mentioned in the Didache and other early Christian writings, meaning the ethical precepts that this Messianic Jewish sect followed. One of those yokes or ethical precepts was adhering to a vegetarian diet, which would be surprising to most people in the Western world, as it's not the Christianity that they've known. But one of those lost Christianities that Bart Ehrman and other scholars have written about, soon enough the apostolic succession of this Jesus movement was declared to be heretical, as were their writings, such as the Gospel of the Hebrews, Gospel of the Nazareans, and Gospel of the Ebionites, and other priceless writings in their possession were eventually lost, such as the collection of the sayings or logia of Jesus, preserved by Matthew in Hebrew or Aramaic, which, by the way, sounds a whole lot like what modern-day scholars call the Q Gospel or Source Gospel, a collection of sayings. Spiritual and mystic paths are very fragile in this world, and after a few generations, the line of spiritual masters usually dies out and these paths undergo major alterations, drastic changes. There is no university of mysticism on planet Earth that survives for very long before it becomes a husk of its former self and gives up the ghost. But thankfully, life begets new life, and a new university of mysticism operating in a different location replaces the expired one. New branches of the mystical tree of life replace those branches that have been withered and fallen off the mystic tree, so to speak. As the great Stoic philosopher Seneca once said, every new beginning comes from some other beginning's end. At every step and in each generation of time, masters have had to intervene and reboot the path whenever it begins to go off course, gets eaten by illusion and time, the negative power. Swamiji Maharaj of Agra once said of spiritual paths, without bhakti or love, they are all hollow and sham, outer husks without a kernel. Unquote. This is the inner kernel or seed of life we are really after. Not developing attachments to institutions or organizations or going through the motions of holidays, traditions, and rituals well within the confines of the grinding wheel of fate and transmigration limited to the world of the five senses and anything beyond in realms of inner space is forbidden you are not free to hear and you are not allowed to see those were some thoughts about history how truth gets hidden by the powers of illusion that be as Swamiji Maharaj said in his Sarbachan Radhaswami poetry, the god of time or illusion has put a cover over the teachings of saints and thus concealed them from humanity. Without a master, all scriptures are like the whispering of ghosts, 
said Saint Tukarama of Maharashtra. However many scriptures and other holy books we read, till we go in, until we open our third eye, we will not be able to satisfy all the doubts and queries that we have, said Baba Ram Singh not that long ago at a spiritual retreat. Time for Satsang. Coming up next, based upon the teachings of some great Sufi saints of the ages, we're going to explore some mystic verses. Gold may get buried, may become hidden, but gold never turns to rust. The mystical utterances of Rumi and other great Sufi masters speak directly to the heart. They encourage us to see the hidden light, to discover the divine secrets, to perceive the way that lovers can find their beloved. The Sufis, through their poems and ecstatic revelations, are attempting to share their secrets with the world or at least with those discerning souls who find their words to not only be nice poetry, but something much more. Expressions of the soul coming from lovers caught up in the divine bliss of a higher reality. The poet mystics speak of a spiritual reality that exists beyond the perception of the five senses. Though the physical body is a kind of veil, that eclipses the light of the inner sun from our vision, nevertheless, we can, even now, during this life, have access to the other existence. The Persian classic Divine Flashes by Fakiruddin Iraqi says, the lover seeks the vision in order that he might pass away from existence. He knocks on the door of non-existence, for there he was once at peace. There he was both seer and seen, both viewer and viewed. Coming to be, he became the veil of his own sight and was deprived of the vision. His existence is merely a screen to hide this sight. For Kiruddin Iraqi from his spiritual classic, his Sufi classic, Divine Flashes, the ego the physical plane existence is a kind of overcast sky, something that blocks vision of the beyond. In order for human beings to knock on the door of non-existence, regain the spiritual vision we once enjoyed as souls before time began, Iraqi encourages us to understand ourselves in a new way and begin to contemplate the other world with another kind of sight a type of seeing that is unveiled when we temporarily abstain from the outer world of the five senses. Fakiruddin Iraqi, know yourselves, a cloud drifting before your sun. Cut yourselves off from your senses and behold your sun of intimacy. Some commentary, Iraqi 
is describing here the process of meditation practiced in a number of mystical traditions of the East and West over the centuries. In order to obtain the vision, the seeker, one, closes their eyes and stops paying attention to the outer world for a while, and two, discovers inner spiritual seeing and hearing, the inner senses of the soul, which are able to contemplate heavenly realities. Says Iraqi, if this screen which is you is struck from before your eyes, the beloved will find the beloved, and you will be entirely lost. Then you will hear with the ear of your heart. That mystery so long concealed is at last opened. The darkness of your night at last bathed in dawn. Divine Flashes for Kiruddin Iraqi. A sound is vibrating in the whole of creation. When you open your inner ear, you will hear a continuous sound which will lead you across all limitations of mind and matter. My beloved is speaking to you all the time. Alas, you do not hear his voice, says Shah Nayaz. The whole world is reverberating with sound. To listen to it, thou must unseal thine inner ears. Then shalt thou hear an unending music, and that shall lead thee beyond the confines of death. Once again, Shah Nayez. My master has taught me a lesson. It repeats itself without me repeating it. When I plug my ears with my fingers, without learning I hear its melodies. My eyes are longing for a glimpse of him. Without seeing, I see his radiant face. In every heart abides the beloved Obahu. In countless forms, he reveals himself to me. That's a passage from the great Sufi poet, one of my favorite Sufi poets, actually. Hazrat Sultan Bahu, from a Sufi poetry website dedicated to his mystic verses. The Mysticism of Sound, coming up next. The Mysticism of Sound by Hazrat Anayat Khan is an amazing spiritual classic presenting the Sufi teachings on inner sound to some degree, a glimpse at least into an older tradition. Hazrat Khan on hearing the mystic sound. Abstract sound is called Sati Sarmad by the Sufis. All space is filled with it. The vibrations of this sound are too fine to be either audible or visible to the material eyes or ears, since it is even difficult for the eyes to see the form and color of the ethereal vibrations on the external plane. It was the Sati Saramad, the sound of the abstract plane, which Muhammad heard in the cave when he became lost in his divine ideal. The Quran refers to this sound in the words be 
and all became. Moses heard this very sound on Mount Sinai when in communion with God, and the same word was audible to Christ when absorbed in his heavenly Father in the wilderness. Shiva heard this same sound, the same anhad nada, during his samadhi, deep meditation, in the cave of the Himalayas. The flute of Krishna is symbolic of this same sound. This sound is the source of all the revelation of the masters to whom it is revealed from within. It is because of this that they know and teach one and the same truth, Hazrat Khan, who was heavily quoted in Julian P. Johnson's Path of the Masters. When this sound manifests to your hearing, my friend, you must observe it keenly. You must try your hardest to preserve your ability to listen to it until you can master it so that just as you heard it in the silence of the wilderness or a closed room, you will also hear it in the noisy marketplace amid throngs of people. That's a quote from Dara Shaiko from his spiritual classic, Compass of Truth. There is no practice better than that of hearing this sound. This is because every other practice depends upon the will of the practitioner. If for a moment stops it, the practice ceases. But not so this practice. It does not depend upon the will of the practitioner. It is present and available without ceasing and without interruption at all times. Dara Shaiko, Compass of Truth. This and the passage above are found in an article by a personal friend, David Christopher Lane, titled Prince Dara Shaiko's Compass of Truth. Concluding today's edition of Spiritual Awakening Radio, some mystic verses of Baba Farid, the Sufi, which actually were included in the Sikh scriptures, the Gurbani, the Adi Granth. Although you have forgotten God, God has not forgotten you. They alone are true who love God, whose love for God is deep and heartfelt. Farid says, You wear your prayer shawl on your shoulders and the robes of a Sufi. Your words are sweet, but there is a dagger in your heart. Those who have one thing in their heart and something else in their mouth are judged to be false. Those who are imbued with love for the Lord are delighted by his vision. Those who forget the Nam, the name of the Lord, are a burden on the earth. You can meet the Lord today, O Sheikh Farid, if you restrain your bird-like desires which keep your mind in turmoil. God says, if you reform yourself, you shall meet me, and meeting me, you shall be at peace. Just pausing here, Maharishi Mehi Paramahans often would describe the state of enlightenment 
as that of deep peace. Like it says in the Upanishads, Shanti, 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 peace, peace, peace. Maharishi Mehi Paramahans in the philosophy of liberation talked about the sign of a true sant as being the embodiment of peace. Baba Farid from the Sikh scriptures, the Adi Granth. When he becomes merciful, then God unites us with himself. Baba Farid, only those good deeds done in the world will be of any use in the court of the Lord. Do not break anyone's heart. These are all priceless jewels. Farid, if you do not awaken in the early hours before dawn, you are dead while yet alive. Those who remain awake and aware receive the gifts from the Lord. Just pausing here to comment, that's an interesting reversal of the Sufi saying, die to live or death before dying, describing the meditation process, rising above body consciousness as a kind of temporary death, a and abstaining from the flesh. The body becomes still, so the spirit may focus all of its attention within, go into inner space, the inner planes. This is kind of a reverse of that. It's kind of like back to zombification again, the, the concept of the living dead, <laughs> people who are dead spiritually but physically alive, something like that. If you do not awaken in the early hours before dawn, you are dead while yet alive. This is actually referring to the practice of getting up early to observe Amrit Vela, as it's known in the Sikh tradition, the hour of elixir, and others call it Brahma Muhurta, the hour of God, a time when you get up early. The world is still, dark, and a perfect atmosphere for meditation practice. The early hours before dawn. Baba Farid, the unseen Lord, cannot be seen. He is revealed only to the Gurumukh, the true disciple of the Master. Baba Farid prays, I seek your protection. You are the forgiving Lord. And we conclude today's edition of Spiritual Awakening Radio with this short saying of Baba Farid, also from the Sikh scriptures, the Adi Granth, called by some the Sri Guru Granth Sahib. Only a rare few follow the way of the saints. <laughs> 